0: Welcome IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and a sports nutritionist and I'm a bodybuilder.
1: Hey, Rob Fortes Fortney, a former competitive bodybuilder, journalist, editor, and competitive powerlifter.
0: And this is
2: Phil Stevens. I'm a competitive powerlifter, Highland Games athlete and I run and operate Strength Guild and org. Sweet. Today we're going to have Vincent Dezenzo on. Um, Vincent, go ahead and say hi and then we'll come back to you and. uh shoot the shoot the shop uh talk so
3: sounds good hi i'm vincent disenzo bench only weenie
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) well we're going to start with just a little bit of uh news everybody i've got uh, a couple of things here strength and muscle sport news one's just a news blurb on vitamin d um this was on uh, Science Daily, but there, it was also, of course, in the National Library of Medicine. It was just sort of cool. It's another reason for consuming vitamin D. Um, one of the things that I actually do for subscribing members who help support us is I send them a little um, mini seminar on how to boost T levels with doses and everything, but one of the things that actually raises testosterone levels, about 20% or so, is vitamin D, um, but this is interesting new stuff that uh, on the anti-inflammatory effects. Just let me go through this with you. It says researchers have discovered specific molecular and signaling events by which vitamin D inhibits inflammation. Um, it says uh, basically they're looking at low levels of vitamin D that are comparable with you know the levels found in millions of people, uh, and then dosing certain amounts of vitamin D. Now this was white blood cells in a dish essentially, so you know the applicability is. Not quite the same as, you know, in free-living people. But it says um, the study outlines a clear chain of cellular events from the binding of DNA, because, of course, vitamin D is also a hormone. It goes right down and touches your DNA. Uh, through specific sin- signaling pathway uh, to the reduction of certain proteins known to trigger inflammation. Uh, so what they did was they just in- incubated these white blood cells with uh, uh, LPS, which is a it's a molecule that's on the surface of bacteria. Anyway, it's sort of a, a stimulant. Um, Way to get inflammatory kind of events going, and uh, basically what they were able to do is actually identify the gene that gets triggered uh, that's involved usually in the production of you know catabolic and inflammatory cytokines like interleukin six or tumor necrosis factor alpha. So TNF alpha, IL six are inflammatory and catabolic. So not a friend to anybody who's lifting weights. Uh, and you know, so they're actually nailing down specific megan- mechanisms. Uh, this is Zhang et al., March 1st, 2012. It's that new. So you get hot off the stove here, people. Hmm. Um, and the other thing that I'm going to pass along, other than a reminder to take your vitamin D, because if you live in most of the country north of Atlanta, you're probably not getting enough this time of year, hmm. uh, is I got us a discount. Uh, we've been able to move along discounts in the past on Olympic bars and other good things. So um, this is the regarding the protein and uh, weightlifting book. Uh, I finally got a release date for that. It's coming out March 2nd. Uh, listeners who listen to the ads at the end of this show know that um, myself and some of the, some really noted researchers from around the country are are um, contributing to that book. It's a textbook. It, the, the really benefit of it is it's a centralized location, sort of a reference manual. If you're interested in what high protein diets really can do, or, or what they might do from you know uh, st- stress on your kidneys perspective, or whatever kinds of information you've heard. All in one place, and um, if you actually Google CRC uh, Press Lowry and Protein, it'll take you right to this, just like the ad at the end of the show says. But this is a a 20% discount. When you get to the checkout, if you type in 888FX, then they'll give you a 20% off the book. It's a hundred dollar textbook, so that's substantial. Save yourself twenty bucks and free shipping. So Mm. that's that's for Iron Radio people. So that's sweet. 888FX. Yep. So that's what I got, Rob. Go for right it. Right on.
1: Just want everybody to know I finished my Dukes of Hazard DVD collection.
2: Ooh, we're, we're, we're proud of you. We're, that's that's big news. Um, <laughs>
1: hey, man, that's, that's seven seasons, all right, of Hazard County goodness.
2: Oh. What were you missing, Rob? What was the last, the hardest one to find?
1: Well, I'm just six and seven, man.
0: <laughs> oh. Wow. He says all, that like you should know that, Phil. Yeah, <laughs> me, pretty yeah. the
1: board nest. If you don't know what I'm talking about, shame on you.
0: Oh boy! Ah,
1: All nice. right, screw it. We got some cool <laughs> letters here from some readers. I just want to mention because I always like to pass on thanks to people who uh, take the time to send us some stuff. So, um, Bill Rout, Rout sent us a nice email. Um, he wanted to ask a question, and I don't, I can't answer because I've actually never used it. But um, he wanted to know how you integrate a prowler prowler training into his strength training. Is there any way, uh, Phil? I suppose.
2: Yeah, I start off slow and add on some sprints. Um, I think the biggest thing people do wrong is they they say, "Oh, they get a new prowler and they want to go out and spend 30 minutes doing it, and they've never done it before." Um, you know, you got to walk before you run. So go out and start off with a couple sprints, and then start off with you know once that gets easy, then add a little more. Um, you know. I think that's about it. It just depends on your conditioning level. I mean, if your conditioning's crap, then back down your training a little bit and add more prowler. Right. So. Right.
3: I Mr. Vincent here. I just want to chime in. I highly recommend starting with the low handles.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. There you
3: go. Oh, <laughs> i just. <guess, laughs> by no means should anybody start on the low handles on the prowler. Yeah. That's yeah. a joke.
1: No, that's oh. Horrible. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, I thought you were actually giving us a real advice there. Okay, gotcha. Um, <laughs> oh, no, sorry. All right, no problem. Anyway, so there you go. Sarcasm's
2: thanks. lost on Rob. Um
1: yeah.
2: Well, yeah, I'm so. still
1: I'm still dreaming about watching more episodes of Dukes tonight. But I, I
2: can tell. I can yeah, tell.
1: Yeah. Um got a nice letter from uh Toby. He's a big fan of the podcast, been listening the past few weeks, and just about maxed his iPhone memory with past episodes. Ooh, so, time to buy
2: a bigger iPhone.
1: Yeah, so and he goes on about some uh, suggestions for guests and so forth. But again, thanks uh Toby for your nice letter. Got one from Chris Kelly. Just started listening to Iron Radio and he loves it. Empowering through all the past episodes during morning cardio sessions and during commutes to work. I'm getting a lot of emails like this of people like having to catch up on past stuff. So it really does show that the show is spreading out there and people yeah. are, you know, interested enough now to go back and look into the history. So, and we've actually got a bit of a history now. So that's kind of cool too. What are we going on? Three years now?
2: Oh, uh, this is year four, Rob. we year four. Yeah.
1: Dear God. All oh. right. Uh, none of his buddies. Share his interests and strengths, so it's great to be able to hear us uh, talk passionately. Um, he's learning a huge amount. Um, he want to ask a question. Have any of you guys ever trained someone with a leg length difference? He's saying one of his legs is about three-eighths um, of an inch shorter. Oh, uh, mine's about two inches longer, my left leg. <laughs> okay. So, no, seriously, it is. <laughs> no, 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 I know.
2: You're the perfect <laughs> guy to answer this. Go ahead. Um, yeah, my... Because of my injury, when I got ran over, the, the bone was broken in so many places. When it healed back together, all those gaps added up to about,
1: you know, almost two inches. Um, yeah,
2: I mean, I don't know what he needs to know, well, but, uh. I'm asking
1: if, um, it, it's worthwhile. He calls it shimming. I, I don't know if that's the technical word of his word, but like, you know, the example standing on a board or something.
2: Yeah. I Address and balance
1: using single leg exercises regularly. He's talked to a chiropractor, yes. but this person, this particular chiropractor didn't ha had very limited experience. So that's he, true. uh.
2: Um, for me, it's a lot of unilateral stuff for the my longer leg is actually a lot weaker leg because it's the one that got injured. Okay. Um, as far as shimming, no, I don't, but I was lucky enough to my injury happened when I was young. so it happened when I was seven. so it was young enough that my body adjusted to it. yeah. Um, if it would have happened later in life I think yes. Um, my whole spine is is bent and, and it has adjusted itself to so my shoulders are level even though my hips aren't right That's thing. So I think for somebody who, if it happened later in life, and all of a sudden your your leg's longer, then yes. Um, a shim or something could potentially work. Um, for me, the, the good thing is I got, you know, the bad leg, the longer leg. The good thing is, I like on squat, I only need two white lights. So I don't even okay. worry about my left side. I'm just worrying about that right judge and the judge in front of me. <laughs> oh, uh- that's an interesting <laughs> way of saying it. So... No, I was actually
1: gonna, even though I don't have any sort of practical experience like you do, I was actually gonna suggest quite the same thing, Phil, um to Chris, just to say, you know, if you, if you're, if you're reasonably young or reasonably young in your training, it's amazing to me what the human body will adapt to, even cause, I mean, I've seen people as we all have doing different movements and sort of like, you know, c- competitive lifters doing deadlifts and stuff who are, I mean, technically speaking, their form just sucks. Yeah. But they've been doing it for so long that although you would never point this person as, how you should do it yeah um your body will over time adapt to it so you know if that's the possibility chris i, I think phil's dead on the money there just uh, i'd probably just try to do that yeah
2: and as, yeah, as far as unilateral stuff i mean just because that leg's longer doesn't mean it's weaker so that's what i'd look at is it actually is it actually behind mm-hmm. if it isn't behind then don't worry about too much unilateral stuff for that side mine's way behind so um i, I gotta really concentrate on that so
1: right Got a letter here, um, just listened to the uh, the recent episode. He loves it. We were discussing gyms and I think it was me in the last episode that I actually mentioned bodybuilders, Jim and Akron. Anyway, this uh Chuck here, Penzanik Penzanique. Um, he never really got to ex- we never got to expand on the point. I w- he was wondering what the impression of that place is. He lives in the area and it was considering their going there to promote a grip competition. Well, Chuck <laughs> in our past episodes we've actually had the owner of um, bodybuilders gym also affectionately known as peps pep wall on the show um i know phil's not been there only probably because of he hasn't had the convenience to be there but i used to live in the area and, and was a member of that gym a few times and lonnie certainly has been training there on and off for many 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 years
0: still am yep
1: still am yeah and uh <laughs> you know so you got guys like lonnie there so yeah i mean it's a great gym like i said we we can't say enough about bodybuilders gym there in akron and pep wall the owner and his amazing wife i mean
0: i'll tell you one of the things that really struck me is when you walk in you know there's sort of a coffee area in the front you know and there's a bunch of magazines pep it it really shows pep's personality and how he sort of sets the tone it's a combination of hardcore bodybuilding and powerlifting mags but also like there's girly mags like the old hot rod mags you know or motorcycle mags right and then and then there's like you know, um, Scientific American, you know, or Wired Magazine or, you know, stuff. It's, it's this mix of, like, brains, brawn, and sex. It's just, I don't know. It's But it's you know what? The more years mix.
1: I'm removed from actually being a member there, um, the more I've come to appreciate that place. I mean, it really is hardcore. I mean, it's uh, men only. Uh, that, that's not a uh, slam on our female listeners at all. I'm just saying for, for guys out there who, you know, maybe prefer that, um, it is that the only. Approach. I will occasionally
0: tweet a picture from there, and it's very you know literally rusty, a little on the gungy yeah. side. Um, but like I said, Pep is a yeah. great
1: guy. Um, he he's on top of fixing all his equipment constantly. His wife, True, right. is, His wife Angela is the only female you'll really ever ever see there, and she's a total sweetie. Um, and like I say, the place is great. So I mean, if, you, if 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 certainly from Iron Radio, we Chuck, we would tell you absolutely go over there check it out talk to Paul Pep or his wife Angela tell them that we sent you and uh, you know if, you it, if, it, if it works out to be of convenience for both of you um, this competition you're uh, considering then I, I'm sure it would be uh, welcomed so yeah it's
0: a rare mix of very hardcore but nobody's an ass there you know very yeah. lots of camaraderie yeah yeah
1: and they also have the best Christmas parties for members you can't bring your significant other only yourself, and when I say you can eat your face off, it's outrageous. So, yeah. Anyway, thanks, Chuck, for your email. And the last one I have here is from Bill Rout. Root. just found this podcast. Uh, he gives it. He gave it a five stars on iTunes. So there you go, Lonnie.
0: Yeah, Bill's I'm looking here. at some of them right now. Actually, yeah. yeah. I, I'll hold off till next week. I'll read some maybe next time. I don't want to be rude to our guests, but, but yeah, good stuff. He, Yeah, he says our our, he says our show has him, and he just
1: describes himself as old, fat, and weak, squatting and deadlifting again. Even considering ordering a prowler. Just took cobwebs off of my rut about twenty years. So thank you guys very much. Well, thank you, Bill, for uh, telling us that. Again, all this stuff is just fuel for us to just keep doing as well as we can. So thank you very much, guys. And that's all I have for today.
2: That sounds good, and then so we'll move back to Vincent. Vincent, thanks again for joining us. Oh,
3: it's my pleasure.
2: Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Yeah, sorry Rob had to go on about his Dukes of Hads stuff. We, we apologize. <laughs> oh, come
1: oh.
2: <laughs> um, on. No, for, for those of you who don't know Vincent, he's he's kind of known as a bench specialist now, but um, you, you, you began in full power lifting, um, went on to do some huge things after your injuries, and you, you were, what, one of the few people that have benched 800 equipped and 600 raw, recently what 405 overhead press jim was telling me about that just how stupid strong you are um you know stupid. so we just we just had to have you on but
3: yeah stupid might be the optimum word i don't know <laughs> I, just, uh, I i'm often <clears throat> helped. i just i just like to lift heavy things and uh you know i unfortunately you know being a 5 8 on a good day i probably would have uh really loved to to look at it all over again i would have loved to have done strong because uh you know, I just put something heavy in front of me and I want to lift it and that's probably why I keep tearing things off and breaking things and rupturing things but uh you know <laughs> all in a day's
1: fun. Right. It's- hey, it's all uh-huh. battle scars. Yeah, exactly. All battle scars.
2: Is that where yeah. your kind of uh your your SFW philosophy comes from?
3: Yeah, that's uh that's where the philosophy comes from. When all else fails, I mean it's uh you know, I, I've tried to read super training about four times and you know, I forget where I heard the quote, but it makes a really good one board. I mean at some point all the knowledge has to go out the window and you just have to, you know, smash friggin' weights and, and, and just push heavy weights. Too too much uh you know, um too many people perseverate over the the programs and uh you know, they they just need to just need to lift heavy.
2: Yeah. So I got one question. I figure will just take up the whole hour here. I've got a meet here in about four weeks, and I need to add 200 pounds to my raw bench. How can we do that?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Grab grab a partner, uh, (laughs) because I love I love people asking me how to bring up the raw bench because it's so much different than equipped. I'll never forget. you know, when I when I took the the time to learn how to equip the bench, um, you know, I went to was traveling over three hours uh, each way to train with Bill Crawford and Lake George, and um, you know, I showed up there with a 550 bench, and he goes he watched me bench once, he goes, oh, you'll bench 605 by the end of the session, and I'm like, you're crazy, you know, and sure enough, we took the worst shirt out of my bag, and he was able to give me the technique to put 50 pounds on my on my geared bench in in two hours. Whereas my best raw bench at one point was 585, and hitting six plates on the bench was, to me, it was the end-all, be-all, just to even be able to do it in the gym to finally hit 585. And uh, and uh when I finally wanted to go after 600, it took me three years to go from 585 in the gym to 600 in competition and uh so you know people people throw numbers out pretty i know you were saying it in jest but you know i see people who bench 520 530 and they're like i want to bench 600 and you know it's well you might as well throw 700 out there it's just as arbitrary if you're going to in a raw bench you're going to try to think you're going to put on you know 20 30 percent in the course of a couple of weeks
2: oh yeah and sometimes i think you hit the nail on the head people don't realize how. You know that fifteen pounds took you years. I, I had the same thing with my deadlift. It took me about three and a half years to add twenty pounds. Oh yeah, um,
3: and, it was, and the best, it was the best twenty pounds you ever added too. Cause you oh yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. But you know, people just don't don't understand that the, the time put in. Um, so let's get back kind of to the roots here. How did you get started in all this? Um, just training in general.
3: Alright, it's a, the quick version. I, I lifted weights, from um, I was a, a, very, um, undersized guy playing football, a 5'7 nose guard in high school, so, you know, I'm someone who had to just really work hard to, uh, you know, not genetically gifted, started football and sports late, but really wanted, you know, I wanted to achieve well, so I had to hit the weight room hard. Um, you know, went to college just to go to college, and, uh, did, well, didn't play any sports, and kind of fell out of shape, just partied it up, and, then when I, I ran into some friends after college and they, they kind of said, Wow, you, you were in pretty good shape in high school, what happened to you? You know, and I was like, what do you mean? Like, you were terrible <laughs> So I'm like, All right, well that's what friends are for So I started going to the started going to the gym and started training again and just always had a propensity for strength, just wanted to lift heavy all the time. Always stuck I, I learned weightlifting through high school with bigger, faster, stronger, so I was always just doing compound movements with barbells and you know, when I, when I started training at a gym, someone said, wow, you know, you were strong, you should, you should try powerlifting. So I'm like, alright, so I was the only fool in a, in a, in, you know, in a gold, uh, world's gym, putting on, you know, single ply equipment by myself, squatting out of a squat rack, putting on bench shirts by myself, and training by myself, and people just looking at me like there was really something wrong with me, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, it really bit me. I, 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 I love strength, you know, and when I was, strength uh, powerlifting was so much more prevalent than uh, than strongman, you know, and there were lots of powerlifting meets around, and you never heard about strongman, or, or rarely, um, you know, and so I just gravitated towards powerlifting and, and, and started with full meets, and that's, that's how it went.
2: Gotcha. Um, we'll, we'll go on on that a little later in the second part of the show. I want to touch on, you do a lot of volunteer work for the Special Olympics, and me, my gym here, we're, we're going to a, uh, fundraiser for the Special Olympics here in about two weeks where we get to pull fire trucks and, uh, so far we've raised about $800. We're trying to raise a thousand, but you want to talk about, um, your volunteering with them and kind of how you got tied into that?
3: Absolutely. First of all, please email me, uh, um, if you could or give a, uh, just, I'd love to send a donation in because okay. I, I want to help you get to your thousand dollar mark because, uh, it's just, to me it's just what it's all about. I mean I'm a special education teacher I was a career changer I work with special needs students and uh have just always had an affinity for for people with special needs um and so you know a uh, friend gabe Vonneville, Gabe Bonneville who is uh you know a guy that I trained with um you know he took me one I worked with Special Olympics when I was younger in high school and then kind of never just when i went to college kind of just let it go. wasn't wasn't doing it anymore. And then a bunch of years ago, Gabe Bonneville was was coach was helping out at a Special Olympics meet. And he said, "You want to come?" And I was like, "Oh my God, absolutely!" And you know, from there, I've just always volunteered my time. Um, in Connecticut, they do a great job with the Special Olympics. I do the polar plunge to raise money. I, I think I. Through uh, Elite a bunch of years ago, I was able to put up there. I think I raised $3,000 one time for jumping in freezing cold water, which <laughs> I didn't personally find cold. I kind of stood in there for a while because I'm used to it. Um, you know, I, I, I'll do a, 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 anything to help raise money for for the Special Olympics. It, it's the best meet I go to every year. I could bench 720 pounds raw and I don't know that I would feel as exhilarated as I feel when I when I leave the Special Olympics powerlifting meet. Um, it's really what the sport is all about. It's just people just pushing weights and being super excited and no backstabbing. Nobody's talking about raw or single-ply or drug-free. People are just lifting heavy weights and really proud to do it.
2: Yeah. No, that's great stuff.
3: Um, uh,
2: so we moved on there and got you you moved to full full meets and then you had some injuries um, you want to talk about that a bit and so you, this yeah. is when you kind of transferred to a bench specialist
3: yeah well i uh you know i i had some indicators that my back was bothering me um you know my I would lock up get some numbness, but just kept pushing through. I was an amateur two forty two guy really wanted to make it to uh Wanted to make it on a national level, and uh, as as my lifts were moving up, um, I was working on a construction site in the summer while I was going to school, and uh, just bent over, um, laying on the ground to pick up a sump pump, maybe 20 pounds of pressure, and I felt a couple pops in my back, and literally had to uh, to crawl to the trailer to get on the phone to get someone to pick me up because I ended up rupturing l 4 or 5, L5, L5S1. And, um, uh, you know, it, I was in bad shape for, uh, for a long time. Um, the surgeries back then, you know, cause, uh, this was probably going on maybe 15 years. I don't have a good head for dates. But, um, maybe about 15 years ago was very invasive surgery, I would have had to have been in kind of a brace for six months and just, you know, back surgery didn't sound like an option to me. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of spent a couple months living on, uh, Budweiser and Vicodin to kind of get away from the pain, and you know, and that's, after a couple months of feeling pretty useless, I realized that's not how I want to go through life, so I went back to the gym and just started training kind of weight, just weightlifting, and, you know, my bench was always my worst lift. It was horrendous. I was a much better squatter and a much better deadlifter, yet um, in the gym, you know, uh, a bad powerlifting bench is still one of the best benches in the gym, so... You know, everybody's like, "Wow, oh, you're pretty strong. And I'm like, you know, I love powerlifting so much that if my only way back in was, uh, was bench pressing, I figured I was going to make a run at it. And, you know, from there, I went and sought out some of the best benchers that I could find and, uh, traveled constantly to get better. And, you know, I, I'm proud of what I've accomplished over the last, uh, more than a decade now. I've been, I've been pushing it pretty hard and, take it really seriously and, and have a lot of fun doing it i mean it's weightlifters are the best people in the world i don't care what anybody says
2: yeah um i know this is a tough question you probably been asked before of all your accomplishments what do you think you're most proud of out, of out of your own lifts
3: um definitely you know what i'm gonna say my 605 raw bench um and i've had some that i'm really proud of because uh it was the last meet my brother um has passed away went to see and i uh I bested, you know, my 600 raw bench, and um, to me, that's just the the lift that will will always mean the most to me. But, um, you know, I like doing other odd lifts. I mean, I've done 800 pounds on the trap bar. I've done 405 strict press overhead. You know, I I like lifting stones. I mean, I don't know. I, I just... Other than the ones, you know, like I said, other than the six oh five for me, it's just it's just all about lifting whatever I can as heavy as I can. So, uh, you know, the the meaning is doing it and then wanting to do more than the next one.
2: Yeah, it's uh, and I don't know if people realize this. I think a lot of people don't, but four oh five overhead is is pretty damn amazing. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, that's a whole lot of pounds.
3: Um, uh, thanks. I was, it was funny. I, I train at Derek Poundstone's gym. Uh, once in a while who's a strong man who's, you know, one of the best. And I watch him use his legs, and I'm like, man, if only I knew. I... That mine was a strict press because I have, everybody says, I wonder how much you could do if you used your legs. And the interesting thing was I could never, even if I could have used my legs, I can't figure out the timing. I actually do less when I try to use my legs. Really? Than yeah, I mean, I never took the time for it. it. It it was just kind of an odd lift that I do. Um, so and there was a, a competition where you could do it with the APA, so I'm like, you know, I didn't really train for it. I just kind of did it. And uh some people are always like, how come you're, you do it without your legs? I'm like, well, it's not something I really trained for. It's just it was something I did to bring up my bench. I strict pressed seated to bring up my bench when it worked incredibly. Because, like I said, I grew up doing all compound movements. I mean, you know, straight, straight bar, bigger muscles sounds good to me.
2: Um, last thing before we go to a break here. um, What do you got coming up? Um as far as first lifting anything anything big coming up on the cost that you want to accomplish
3: absolutely I have been 600 raw in two weight classes and uh, my goal is to hit it in the third and to the best of my knowledge nobody's hit 600 raw in three weight classes and um, you know it, it, that is something that would have a great deal of meaning to me uh, my first time I bent 600 I weighed 328 and a half pounds and uh, now I'd like to hit it at 275 so on i uh, March thirty first, I'll be competing uh, at an RPS meet in Rhode Island and uh that's the goal. Six hundred uh, actually the goal is six ten. The goal's uh, PR at uh at two seventy five. Oof. Yeah, that's a that's a whole lot of weight. Alright,
2: well we're All gonna take a quick break here and then we'll come back and we're gonna hit a topic of the day.
1: So
3: Alright guys, sounds good to me.
0: Okay, listeners, we're back. Uh, I just wanted to start off quickly before we get to the topic of the day and ask Vincent. He he was doing a 405 overhead press, which is just outrageous to me. Um, And I'm just curious how often you do overhead pressing as part of your routine. What's, What's the frequency or the volume of overhead work that you're doing?
3: All right, this is a, it's a very interesting question because Dave Tate really was the first person who kind of got me introspective about my training. I kind of just trained and what happened would happen. Kind of, I wasn't looking at my individual lifts. And he said, you know, is your overhead really important to your bench or did you get the overhead from your bench work? And mm-hmm. interestingly – when I don't do overhead work, my bench still goes up. But when my bench goes up I can still overhead a lot. So the the answer is I get most of my shoulder work from benching. My okay. my my bench pressing is what is, is it wasn't the other way around. Okay. Um that's why I did, something I didn't have to train a lot. I mean I used to train it seated many years ago and I mean I don't think I would carry that kind of residual strength over. Um, from all these years of not doing it, so I think it's really my bench press is what what is the greatest contributor to my overhead press. My my shoulder work right now, as my raw bench has gone up, is actually quite minimal. It's a lot of actually rear delt work, and most of my most of my um, my shoulder direction, my shoulder work comes pretty much from benching.
0: Gotcha. Cool.
3: Yeah, it might not be the answer that you really wanted, but no, it's, it's
0: no no, that's fine because I, I, we were – listeners, we were talking off-air just a moment ago that, you know, some of the old-school bodybuilders would talk about limiting shoulder work because, you know, they're, they're sort of ubiquitous in so many uh, bodybuilding kinds of movements, you know, rear delts with back work and front delts with your chest work and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's just – it's always been something I wrestled with how much to add in. But thanks, though.
2: Well, um so now we're going to move on to the topic of the day. I think Vincent's probably been barrauded uh, many times on interviews about benching, seeing as he's a bench specialist. So we're going to take kind of a different route. And um, we want to talk about training around injuries um, instead of, you know, you see a lot of people, they get an injury and then they just quit. Um, I know myself, as, as the listeners probably know, I'm I'm kind of very uh, very um, used to training around injuries with everything in my past. It's I, I, I find a way around. And I want to get Vincent's take on this with um, – the stuff you've battled so i mean you started out as a full meat powerlifter and moved to bench specialist but you didn't that didn't mean you quit the other stuff um you you found ways to work around it so i don't know let's start with the, the squat and the deadlift i mean what do you do now for those compared to what you did before
3: well uh the squat you know i when i was back to benching and i wasn't squatting at all i i i missed squatting so my my squat routine after a little while of benching turned out to be 135 for 10 sets of 10 with um, as little rest as possible. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely got my leg work in, but I missed going heavy, but I couldn't load my back with a regular bar. And to top it off, as a bench-only guy, I was noticing a tremendous amount of strain on my elbows and um, my shoulders just trying to get my hands out on a bar. I Even on an 8-foot squat bar, I, I can't get my hands in between the um you know in between the bar I have so little upper body flexibility so I gravitated to the uh the to, to the yoke bar and uh you know or the safety squat bar whichever kind of prefer calling it and um you know I, I, I squat every week it's if you want to be stronger I mean you know even with the, the, the back I have to be very cautious um to limit my movement. I, I'm I, the safety squat bar allows me to, to stand up in the rack and then kind of put it on my back a little where I don't have to step around. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's stepping around coming out of a squat rack that really would do the most damage. So you know, using a mono lift or the safety squat bar, where I don't have to take those those dangerous steps, um, because that's what would really do me in.
0: Hey Vincent, how what kind of load are you able to do then? What like percent one RM or just whatever poundage? I,
3: I don't really, you know what? I, I don't. I think um, I did on a box. I mean, I, I I was at Gold Gym and I think I did uh, without a box. I think I did six seventy five on the safety squat bar one time, and I, I think I've done as much as seven hundred in my basement off a box. Um, you know, I'm I've maintained a lot of strength over the years, but it's not it's not something I kind of really work on, uh, and I stay away from lifting that heavy. I um, usually I'm actually in the process. I'll tell you guys here. I want to do a full raw meat in the future, so I'm in the process of slowly building, uh, building from the bottom up. Um, they've taken away the box. I'm still using the safety squat bar, but I'm uh, brought my stance in, and I'm you know I'm butt to butt to the I'm, I'm after grass, so they say. So. Uh, you know, I'm rebuilding my squat, so, you know, right now I'm only, I'm adding 10 pounds a week, and I'm up to 310 pounds. So I've run the gamut, and I'm just trying to stay injury-free and build it back up now.
0: That's interesting, yeah. It's, I'm always curious about, the you know, the total load, because once you're used to squatting, like you were saying, gosh, it's it's so hard to just kind of pussyfoot, so you got to think some way to challenge yourself, you know.
3: But yeah, exactly. my biggest thing is when I challenge myself, I hurt myself. So um, <laughs> the guys at the gym are really good about reading my logs and yelling at me and texting me. And, you know, um, I think when I was cutting weight last year, I, I uh, two years ago, when I was going to 242s, I think I pulled, like, you know, I loaded up my trap bar with every plate that it would fit, and it was like, you know, I think I fit 675 or 680 or whatever it was. And they're like, you know, I get texts and phone calls, really stupid. You're about three weeks <laughs> a month out for a meet, and you're so... uh. <laughs> I, I I really try to watch myself as I'm – because I do set such lofty goals for myself for, for benching that, you know, I could squat more, I could deadlift more, but I end up usually, you know, being my own worst enemy. So now I've, I've really learned to try to keep it in check lately.
0: Phil, that reminds me of what you say about music. You know, you've got to purposely pull back. You actually put on different music later in the – in the oh, yeah. Whatever you've got to do, because if not, if you let the train get rolling, you know, you almost <laughs> need some some of your, some of your buddies yeah. to <laughs> – Pull back on the reins, you
2: know. Yeah, and I'm the, I'm the same way with my hip. I mean, all the guys in the gym. Because if it was up to me, my I, I'd go in and I'd squat every week and I'd squat heavy. And they're real good. And, and my wife's real good at telling me, hey, "Hey, dummy, you know, I'm tired of you waking up all night and waking me up because your hips hurting. So <laughs> it's it's time for you to back off." But um, and I don't know. There's something about injuries. You you you've got to get you got to get mature enough to start listening to yourself. Um, you know, when I was coming back from blowing my bicep and and my hip and and this and that, you, because we all got to be a little crazy to do this stuff. Um, if you're going to do it at, at any high level, um, you, you've got to be a little stupid. So it's, it's, it's hard then to, after you've gotten injured to turn off the stupid switch and, and get a little smarter uh, about training. But, um, yeah, so it's interesting what, what you talk about going to a box and all this stuff. Um. Are there days where your back is just like, like my hip? I mean, I know it's a bad day and this and that, where you just have to, you know, put the checks on and just walk away from it?
3: No, as a matter of fact, you know what? It's, 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 it's never when I'm training. I'll get spasms on occasion and they seem almost completely unrelated. Um, you know, and uh, but I also don't know if it precipitates other injuries. Like I've had some hip problems because I've been protecting my back. So it, it does. You know, I do have to temper my lifting because I know it will affect other areas. But uh, knock on wood, I mean, my back as a whole. I mean, if you ask my wife, like I guess I get out of bed kind of like a crippled guy, and I'm very cautious about my movements. So you know, if you, if you ask me, I'm I'm completely fine.
2: <laughs> yeah. As far
3: as I did want to share one of my favorite story about really kind of not being stupid. And this was the last the time I kind of really matured was I went to deadlift. Um, I went into train on a Saturday, which I hate doing with the guys because as a bencher, we bench Friday nights and they would squat on Saturday. And I'm like, I don't want to spend four hours in the gym because I'm not going to squat in a meet. But I show up and I said, my shoulder really hurts. So I told my buddy Matt, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to mess something up else up today instead so, my, so I forget about my shoulder. I hadn't conventionally deadlifted in probably over a decade and I just kept jumping plates until I uh, got to 675 and as I stood up with 675 I felt what like Velcro tearing apart in, in, my, in my left bicep oh. and uh, I heard it but yet I still stood there and said is it locked to Matt and he said yep. And as soon as he said it was locked, I dropped it to the ground and then pretended that my bicep wasn't completely ruptured.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a wonderful sound. When my blue
1: everybody thought I ripped my pants. Um, yeah, we're all disturbed yeah. individuals
0: here. guys. You know what, you guys, uh, when I tore my triceps, it was a similar thing. You, so many times you hear stories about people hearing a loud pop or a bang. And to me, it was more like a wet rag, like, uh-huh. you know, like heavy, like <clears throat> almost gravelly sounding something or other you know when yeah. it let go anyway it
3: sounded like um i tell people they're like it sounded like if you were tr- trying to rip a steak in half like a raw steak yeah
0: yeah yeah
3: yeah, yeah very <laughs> a very a very distinct sound and then i partially tore my right bicep trying to do uh, an axle deadlift cuz i was going to do a strongman show and uh after that partial tear i really kind of that was the last one cuz hey, um, my wife was
0: let me yeah. ask you did you have any warning before with the, the
3: partial, well, no, with the, with the with the with the tears, no, there was no warning up whatsoever. My problem is, I lack such flexibility that I have no, I have severely limited supination. Like at the McDonald's drive-through, you might as well just throw the change on the ground because it's just going to roll out of my hands because I can't <laughs> I can't hold it straight up in the air. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I I mean that's what ultimately led to it, but you know stupid is, as stupid does, it didn't really dawn on me that the fact that I couldn't really totally grip the bar was the fact that I tore my biceps, but um, there was no, I had no pain, it just, just went.
0: Yeah, in fact, I think more stories you hear than not are people that say there's really no warning, you know, my biceps or triceps or pec or something, just let go, you know. Uh, and yeah. You know what I mean, within the same workout, it's not like you're getting twinges and spasms and then it goes, you know what I mean, so... Yeah, you just a lot of people just sort of report getting blindsided like that. I was just curious.
3: Yeah, my back was. Di- I will say my back was different. There were lots of there were many signs, but the doctor did say that the discs were degenerative and they would have gone eventually. You know, I definitely sped the process up, but um, you know, he said it was degenerative and you know from sports and what have you. But the back, I really do believe, gives you a better indication of when it's going. You know, the discs when they're going, and you should yeah. listen. Versus, yeah. you know, muscle tears because most right. people really don't d- don't know when they're going to tear a muscle.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with your back, you opted out of surgery. What did you do then to protect your back?
3: Um, I went from chiropractor to physical therapist to doctor and doctor. I mean, I'm a firm believer. I get a lot of questions on elite people ask me, well, this hurts. What should I do? Go to a doctor. You know, oh, I think I tore this. What should I do? Go to a doctor. I mean, I, you know, I have seven years of higher education, but I'm still not a doctor. So I, uh, I, when something bothers me, I go to a doctor. And, um, you know, I work with various, uh, I have a sports doctor and a physical, do- physical therapist who I found who like working with athletes, you know, who, who want to, to get me back to doing what I wanted to do. So, you know, they work with me on form. They work with me on, you know, medications and, um, and also, you know, I, I ran the gamut of, you know, in, I have an inversion table. Um, I sleep with leg wedges. Um, I'm very, very conscious of keeping my back healthy. Um, I drop, You know, when, my back, when I'm heavy, my back bothers me a lot. You know, if it bothers me a ton, I have to drop some weight. Um, I walk on the treadmill to make sure I get, you know, blood flow. If I'm circulating blood to my back you know, to, to What's my the body. heaviest you've ever been? 328 and a half. Didn't quite make 329, but I was proud of the half pound.
1: <laughs> you know what? You just had to throw in like, you know, another grease wheel or something, you would have been fine.
3: I couldn't do it. I tried, man. I I I No
0: <laughs> I'm I sorry you really guys. Saying. These guys are always ripping on me when I'm like, I can't do it. I can't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, of course I'm hundred pounds less than you are, but still, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah,
3: I went from uh my favorite, I went from three twenties down to uh I made two forty twos, I was able to comp- compete in four weight classes in probably the con probably about eight months. I mean I was only two forty two two forty two for the five seconds I was on the scale.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> but I basically did ninety pounds in about eight months.
2: Wow. Yeah, that's a good one.
3: Yeah, I just um constantly like to challenge myself
2: no and that's a, that's a great thing I think that's a big thing about the um about getting injured too and and about people of our mindset there's there's always something else to shoot for like when you you know you just had to make the choice okay well i'm going to keep up the sport i'm going to take up be a bench specialist you know i can 't just give up
1: um, and you know that, that's a, that's a great thing about about resistance training and all the different discipline um, in a competitive sense that you can do because there really is a lot. I mean, if you really have a passion for this, and let's be realistic. Anybody does anything with it is because they love it. Yeah. Um, there's so many different avenues you can you can take if something you know some something roadblocks for what, one way you know like whether it be changing the whole you know spring sport discipline itself or like you say going from full, three lifts down to just one of them or then back again or like whatever. There's just so many different things that you can do. You know, so it's like. You, you, and once you get to a certain level where you have, you know, a, a knowledge of you know the just the huge vast variety of things that you can do, it really is just like wow, you know, like no wonder guys who have passion for this can do at least an aspect of it for their entire life.
3: Yeah, I love the camaraderie of of, of the I see in the upper levels of the weightlifting, and and I don't necessarily mean the upper levels, but not so much on the forums where people can just be so you know they can hide and say terrible things but knowing some strongmen knowing some bodybuilders um it's nice you know i know some elite guys who've uh you know been injured and they've done bodybuilding in the interim i know some you know some strongmen who've crossed over to powerlifting and vice versa i think it's really cool how if one avenue closes you 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 can find another path and uh you know it just shows how much you love the iron if if you can if you have a detour and can still af- find a
2: path that you'd like to walk on. Yeah, amen. Yep. Yeah, that's 100% true. And I, I love what you just said about, um, you, you said it earlier too, just the, the people involved in strength sports um, are some of the greatest in the world. I mean, if not the greatest in the world. Um, it's a group that's just, uh, I don't know, everybody's there to lend your hand. And I think you're right about the higher levels. I think most of the fighting you see are, are on the boards and they're, Thereby, people just getting started and this and that. and They oh, have yeah. a chip on their shoulder. Um, oh, yeah. Anybody that's been in it a decade, they don't care. You know, they're just, they're just glad you're in there doing it with them.
0: You know, yeah. Like, everybody's got them. different goals. We're all the opponents of gravity. Yeah. You know, when it comes right down to it, we're, <laughs> we're <laughs> all the enemies
3: of gravity. Opponents of gravity. <laughs> I like that. The enemies of gravity. I'm going to steal that. That's yeah.
2: excellent. <laughs> that's a pretty good one. Um,
3: I don't know where else do we want to go on this
2: line. Do you have anything else to add on the?
3: Well, I, I definitely want, can I just throw out one thing that you, I like when you brought up the maturity with injuries,
1: uh-huh.
3: and I, I will tell a lot of people now, if something hurts, don't do it, yeah. um, you know, I like doing things that I'm not supposed to be able to do, when I was 330 pounds, I could still are 329 and a half, or 328 and a half, I could still do pull-ups, you know, and at 5'7", five, five, you know, I used to like to do things just to people, to show them that I could, mm-hmm. and, um, you know... It takes terrible strain on my biceps, and uh, you know, and uh, eventually, you know, I have torn biceps. So now, I don't do pull-ups anymore because they hurt my biceps. You know, and if I know if something hurts, not to do it. You know, it's like you said with my back. I don't do any movements that I know that that I think might hurt my back. Um, you know, if I have a, I don't, if I have a, I had a hip problem, and I, I, when I had the hip problem, I couldn't get it better. I stopped squatting altogether. So I got it better, and that's a maturity thing. When you stop fighting your body. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, I don't do triceps
1: it, kickbacks anymore because I found. That. <laughs> <laughs> I by know, like a little the lavender we, dumbbell.
3: Yeah. <laughs> 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 one thing if the young guys can learn that is don't fight your body. Yeah.
2: Just, oh yeah.
3: There are other ways. You know, you don't have to do pull ups. You can do pull downs. You don't have yeah. to do box squats. You can do front squats. I mean, you know, some of those might not be the best exercise to choose from, but, you know, the point is there's other ways mm-hmm. around it. So uh, listen to your body. And More than and one you way to skin the cat. Yeah, if you can get that maturity at a younger, you know, it's kind of an oxymoron to say get the maturity at a younger age, but, you know, I think as we get older, that's what we learn, and uh if we could pass that along to the younger guys and they could learn from that, they'd save themselves from some, some heartache, headache, and some medical bills. Right.
2: No, I, I agree 100%. I think I can attribute my, all my injuries to my own stupidity and, and hardheadedness. Um, and it's, I think early on in training, we do things because we think we should, not because we need to. Um, or we do it because we can, you know, like you said, you just did it because, Hey, I want to be able to do this. And it, it wasn't for advancement or anything. It was just you wanted to prove something to somebody instead of, uh, actually trying to advance in the, in the sport you love or, or the goals you have.
0: Right. Staying on, on your program. Yeah, stay on track. And you know what you guys are saying too. I think that's sort of a general rule that just about any physical therapist would tell you too is if it hurts, don't do it. Work around something. Don't work through it. You know, you heard people say work through it. Well, you know, that's really iffy. Yeah. So you know, you know working what, Phil, around. I, I, a I still
1: one. think Phil had the most extreme advanced training uh uh idea when he when he decided to get run over by that truck.
2: Oh, hell yeah. That was a good
1: idea. I, it, I still don't know exactly it. what you're trying to achieve with that. Accessory
0: but. work.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was an accessory. Uh, well, I always thought that, you know, they tell you metal is stronger than bone, so I figured I'd see how much metal they could put in my hip, and it'd keep me good forever. That's right. Rope um, and yeah. No, and I think I think that maturity, I think you're right. It, it still comes, and I'm, I'm not going to lie. I still do stupid things from time to time. I try to limit it. Well, we you all know, do. two weeks ago... Two weeks ago, I decided I was over at a friend's house. He's into strongman. He's he's in his early twenties, and I was like, okay, let's load the yoke up. And I so I picked up a thousand pound yoke and see what I could do with it. <laughs> uh, sure, now I'm hurting still from it, but it was it was kind of neat to do, and and I walked away. But um, you know, it's it's limiting to that. To I was ninety eight percent sure I wasn't going to get hurt. So <laughs> um, we measure things a little better, um, I think, as time goes on. So um, yeah.
3: Yeah, I was. I did I did a nice vertical jump at a different gym the other day. I won't, hope I hope my training partners don't hear this because I, I kind of got challenged to do it. So, you know what, maybe my maturity level hasn't come that far yet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. so how old do you say you are again?
3: I'm
1: 42. 40, oh, I'm 42 too. Yeah. yeah, he's right on with us, huh? Yeah. Well, I, I actually just heard something cool just on the news the other day. They were saying that young people, like teenagers and so forth, they don't have parts of their brain developed fully as far as, like, the risk um, – um, you know, uh, evaluating the risk potential of, of things. So, but you know, as 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 Phil says, when you get to a certain level of you know accomplishment, you can kind of have you can look at something and say, okay, it, it might not be the best thing in the world, but I have a like Phil said, like I have a ninety eight percent chance of not getting yeah. doing this. And once in a while, and I always use the. uh the phrase, I don't know if I've used it on the show before, but get the let out. Sometimes it's like, sometimes it's just good to get the let out. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's that you're kind of stuck in this idea of just, you know, you're through your progressions of doing things so mechanically. Sometimes it's like, it's, it's good to kind of, again, it, with a measure of kind of understanding about, you know, the potential risk, but to kind of do something a little bit, kind of a little bit extreme, yeah. kind of a left, a little bit left to center, you know, and, um, you, 'cause again, like you're saying, I mean like doing vertical jumps, I mean these are all all anything like that or you know going for a going for a run in a way that you've never done before, just something to kind of pull you out a little bit of of you know the kind of the box that you're constantly in it it can it can change things psychologically for you too so yeah,
3: yeah. But, but, one thing to to combat that I really liked was uh jim Wendler, um you know passed along um uh, that he likes to do um conditioning challenges, which mm-hmm. is Actually, kind of a little safer and smarter, you know, than some of the weight challenges, you know, because because uh, chances are you're not going to hurt yourself as bad doing the conditioning challenges. So that's something that I always kind of think about in the back of my head, but because I do, I, I miss you know, the the battle with the iron sometimes. I want to go down in the basement. Right now, I want to get off the phone. I want to see if I can, you know, pull 800 pounds on the trap bar again or or squat 700. (laughs) It's making me irritated. I want to go into the basement right now. So, So, uh, But but doing some of those prowler pushing challenges or running hills or or getting out and doing something a little maybe out of your your conditioning wheelhouse Uh, because I think people don't realize in strength athletics how important you know, the, the GPP and the, and the SPP, they are. And, uh, I have certainly learned that over the years, that the better condition I am, that's the reason I'm able to lift more at 270, you know, to lift as much at 275 as I was in my 320s. Gotcha. But, so that might be a way to save some people from, uh, lifting heavy things they should, you know, maybe go push that power, you know, not from the bottom handle first off, but. Yeah. Now give yourself some conditioning challenges. It's another great way to challenge yourself instead of just with just with weights.
0: No, that's, hey,
1: a, that's a great th- idea. Are, Phil, are those confirmation calls you keep getting from the pizza pizza parlor? No,
2: that's from the president himself. Okay. Um, yeah, they're faxes.
1: We just want I'm we sorry. just want to confirm, Phil, that you ordered fifty five uh, pizzas.
2: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to put those. I need. I, I still need fifteen more pounds. So
1: I'm trying. I'm trying.
3: Yeah. Uh, you can have fifteen from me okay there you go i'll take it
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't know if our listeners heard when we went on to break phil was just saying his wife had just uh at that point had just brought in uh four hamburgers and some fries for him so
2: yeah, it's, yeah, it's great things i'm holding to... myself back here as much as i can i've only i've snuck in the fries and one burger during the conversation okay. so i'm holding back that, that was enough of the teaser there Well done. um <laughs> no i think the uh i think that the conditioning challenges are great it's still hard for me um the hardest for me is getting around, I get around a bunch of, uh, I have a bunch of 20-somethings. You know, they're twenty they're 22, 23, and they're all getting started, and they're pretty strong guys. And they get a little cock strong and, and get big heads, and I see them getting a little closer to me uh, on things I used to do. And I get that whole, you know, I guess old man syndrome, I need to go show these boys what to do. But um, <laughs> that comes with maturity, too, I guess. All right. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's true. and I don't know I've one day I just got to tell him ah, I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> that, yeah. That's why. Vi- that's why video is so great. Show them the video. Yeah. Exactly.
0: I know. <laughs> I know. You know, I was just going to say, I don't know if it's like this with you guys too, but conditioning stuff is is difficult for me in a very different way. I think once you start to adapt. To you know, lower repetition stuff. Once, especially if that's all you've done for a long time, oh, you're yeah. you're not just starting from zero. I think Rob, you and I have talked about this before. You're not just starting from like, uh, you know, a blank slate, sedentary guy who's starting, a, a, you know, an exercise career. You're actually starting further from the left, you know, because you're like Mister Fast Twitch Lactate, yeah. you know, and you start asking yourself to process oxygen, and your your body's like, what the hell is that, oh, yeah. you know? I don't. Right. Know. For me, it's always been actually harder. Uh, you know, it's just a very different kind of effort. That's all.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, I set no. of ten or fifteen on squats or something. It's not challenging usually for me weight wise. It's it's getting my air. Yeah, <laughs> I was it's like what not, the hell you know, am I doing? And, that, that was more than three.
1: Another side of this that I just want to throw in because I know this show is ending, but the whole idea that when you start, if you if if you've done any like perform, like whether you're you're coming from more of a kind of a aerobic kind of side of things or or the resistance um training side of things. After a while, you develop the psychology of somebody who's much more advanced, you know. um, So if if all of a sudden you jump into something, and I found this a few years ago when I really started running for a a specific reason, but, you know, you jump into it and you you have the psychology and you're able to push yourself to such a a degree that you could actually push yourself way past the point that you should have gone. Now, on one side, you can say, okay, well, you know, maybe they'll just force you to adapt to it faster or something if if you don't ultimately injure yourself, but... You know, you can actually be a liability to yourself because of just how yeah. strong-willed you are from a you know from a sports psychology standpoint.
0: Rob, I'll tell you, a couple of months ago, I went, out, I did sprints. I was out, I was supposed, I was only supposed to do some you know like serial you know crank it up a little, but jog within reason. I hadn't done it in ages, and before you know it, I'm growling with metal in my ears. I'm just doing repeat sprints. I'll tell you what, I I think ages ago Charles might have said something about this, but nothing will tear you up like a middle-aged guy like sprints. You go out and you unload you know, on sprints, it's yeah. so damaging. I mean, <laughs> as it is, my back pops like popcorn, my hip's funny, but, I mean, my things started hurting in my feet, my ankles. I'm like, what did I just do to myself, you know? <laughs> and I, I don't know. I think you, you start to get to the point, you know, like we talk about old man strength. You're definitely, you get strong enough to uh, tear up your own frame a little
3: bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, nice, oh. the nice the nicest thing about conditioning is, though, it, it takes no talent to be better conditioned. Yeah. -hmm. You don't, you don't have to be necessarily good at anything to get in good condition. And, uh, you know, you, you might not necessarily be the strongest, uh, power lifter or have the best genetics for, for bodybuilding, but, you know, anybody can work harder to get in good condition.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Well, I think this is good. Uh, Vincent, do you want to give some shout outs to some sites or anything like that? Let's, let's do that right now.
3: Absolutely. Well, no, I have some great sponsors that have always helped me out. Um, I've been at with At Large Nutrition um, for a long time. Um, Chris Mason there has supported me for quite quite a while. Um, Elite FTS of course my my one of my sponsors. Um, they've been great with Dave. Uh dangerously hardcore work with them, uh Kiefer with Nutrition. And I'm actually starting my own consulting, uh online coaching and consulting. It's gonna be um, applied training concepts. And that will be online, so I'll be promoting that on uh, my site. I'll have a site, com, and I'll be promoting that and helping power lifters across the world reach some, reach more of their goals.
1: Right on. Good, good.
2: Well, we want to thank you again for coming on. It's been a good show. Yeah, thanks, uh, Vincent, man. Appreciate
3: it. Uh, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Lonnie, Rob, Phil, you guys are great. I appreciate you having me on. I love the show, and uh, it, it was a lot of fun. I hope I hope you guys have me on again sometime.
2: For yeah. sure, yeah. yeah, that'll work, um, everybody. Until next week, um, this is it. This is Iron Radio, and uh, thanks for listening.
1: Does anybody want me to sing the Dukes Hazard theme or no?
2: You can sing us on out, Rob.
0: yeah. Hum- on the way out, bub.
1: Just two good old boys, never meaning no harm. It's all you ever saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Really Sprint in the, the curves. Join in.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for IronRadio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes. Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here, I do make a single-digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours.